Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. I was, I think, the last British politician to visit in his chambers adorned with a threadbare, moth-eaten, mangy old lion, appropriately enough. The late Dr. Hastings Banda, the longtime autocrat dictator of the African state of Gambia. He was in his absolute dotage at the time, but that didn't stop him running the country, or at least the country was told that he was running it. In the course of our discussion, he asked me, how was the Prime Minister, Mr. Wilson? Um, As this was in the 1990s, I kind of ahemmed past the story. But it was only when I was leaving the office and he asked me to give my regards to Prime Minister Wilson, that I realized that he had completely lost the place. I didn't have the heart to tell him that Mr. Wilson had died more than a decade previously, but I just put it down to him being a rather confused and sad old man. Imagine my surprise then when I saw the next best thing, President Joe Biden still in charge, or at least the public are told that he's in charge, addressing a gun control rally. I think it was in Ohio, but definitely in the United States where there is no monarch. And definitely this week where the late Her Majesty the Queen, our former monarch, is definitely no longer in need of saving. Take a look at this and tell me what you think. And if you can see the camera, they can see you. And uh, it's the least consequential part of this whole meeting for you. I promise. All right. God save the queen, man. I promise. All right. God save the queen, man. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I suppose one of my questions tonight is, do the American people see these videos? Or are they only available on the increasingly successful Twitter platform, transformed by Elon Musk, not least the fortunes of one Tucker Carlson, who now has made four 10-minute broadcasts for Mr. Musk on Twitter. I presume unpaid because Rupert Murdoch is still Carlson, and ordered him to cease and desist. I presume the defense was that this was not work, but pleasure. Anyway, he's made four. Two of them have had a hundred million viewers. I don't know what the other one got, but the fourth one, which is actually the best one, has the least number of all, although that number is rapidly climbing towards 30 million people. 
And when you think that Tucker Carlson was the most successful presenter on Fox News, the most successful channel in America, and that Tucker Carlson's audience on a good night was 3.5 million, then you'll realize that getting 100 million twice on two uh, of your four broadcasts with no advertising, no razzmatazz, no paraphernalia, no bells, no whistles, just Carlson talking earnestly and eloquently, should be eloquent, there's 10 people writing it, and it's on an auto cue, but my goodness, his words are coruscating indeed. His words are amongst the most courageous, the most brilliant that have ever been seen on screen anywhere by a person with the kind of reach that Tucker Carlson has. He has become, by virtue of his sacking by Rupert Murdoch and his appearance on Elon Musk's Twitter, become a real thing in America, not just to the devotees of Fox News, but across the country, north, south, east, and west, which got me thinking. He'd be an ideal running mate for somebody, you know, uh, because he has the look, preppy and uh, Ivy League. He has the eloquence, as long as his writers are along with him. He has the presence, and now he has the name recognition, almost without parallel. I think Robert Kennedy Jr. would do well to make Tucker Carlson his running mate. I think between the two of them, they could straddle quite a bit of the political territory in the United States of America. And I don't know about you, I'd feel safer if America was in the hands of Robert Kennedy Jr. and Tucker Carlson than I do instinctively when I see it in the hands of Joe, God save the Queen, Biden, and laughing gas, Kamala Harris. In fact, they give me the heebie-jeebies. And I'm hoping that all over America, people are reaching the same conclusion. Turns out that 50% of Democrats think that Joe Biden is too old to be president, never mind to serve a second full term, taking him up to the age of 86. Now there's 86 and there's 86. There's 100 and there's 100. Joe Biden's a poor example of an 80-year-old man. He fell off his bike too many times or never had much up top to begin with. Bungalow Joe, they used to call him. Now, the Blinken brazenness of the Secretary of State of Joe Biden, Antony Blinken, showing up uninvited in China and getting the uh, proper reception, that is to say no reception at all, no red carpet, and absolutely nobody there to meet him at the airport, beyond a couple of functionaries whose job was to carry his bags. No minister met him. No member of the ruling party's Politburo met him. No member of the government met him. No president, no foreign minister. But he did eventually get admitted into the foreign office. And there he is on the screen now with the new-ish foreign minister of China, whom I knew a very long time ago. I don't know if the 
uh, foreign minister gave him a flea in his ear or merely listened patiently. I hope, I genuinely hope, that this visit by Blinken kickstarts a de-escalation in tensions between the United States and China. A de-escalation amongst the neighbors of China that the United States is doing its very best to press gang into a war alliance against the People's Republic of China. The one thing I know for sure, knowing the foreign minister as I do, and knowing the Chinese government's line as I do, that they certainly will not be kowtowing to any foreigners, including Antony Blinken, because the United States cannot be trusted. The news revealed in Moscow for the first time that Russia and Ukraine had actually initialed a peace agreement in Turkey under the aegis of President Erdogan in April of last year came as a surprise to nobody who follows this show because we have repeatedly told you about it. And it didn't come as a surprise to the great mass of the public in Western countries because they were not told about it. They were not shown it. They have not seen the 18-page document initialed by Kiev and Moscow in which it was agreed uh, that Ukraine would be an entirely neutral country. That not only would Ukraine not be in NATO, but NATO would not be in Ukraine. That the provisions of the Minsk agreement for self-government of the kind that Scottish and Welsh people have on their domestic affairs would be enjoyed by the people of eastern Ukraine who had never accepted the coup in Kiev in 2014. We knew of the existence of this document, but we had never seen it before. Putin produced it for his African visitors, led by Cyril Ramaphosa, the president of the Republic of South Africa. It was the receipts. It was the goods finally on view. Not that that made it into any Western newspaper or onto any Western television news broadcast. And yet the news could scarcely be more significant, could it? Because that means that everybody who has died since April of last year, which is the vast majority of the casualties in this war, needed to have died. It means that all those buildings that are no longer standing, all that infrastructure that is now destroyed, all those wasted billions, tens of billions of dollars of weaponry on fire, on the step, was all for nothing. All could have been avoided. Now, that's a big story, right? Even if you want to try and debunk it, it's a good story, right? Why would the entire Western media fail to report the presentation of an 18-page peace document in the and 
Well, the answer, in a way, is simple. Because that agreement was deliberately forbidden, scuppered, wrecked, by none other than Boris Johnson, who was dispatched by, presumably, none other than Joe Biden and Antony Blinken, who sent Boris Johnson to waddle the streets of Kiev, pretending he was in a war zone, in order to warn Zelensky that he must not sign the document that he had just inked and initialed in Istanbul. That means that Boris Johnson has the blood of all those tens of thousands, scores of thousands of people who've died since April of last year. It means that Blinken, it means that Biden, it means that the West have got all that blood on their hands. And it means that the Western media, who must know this, but who are deliberately covering it up in an act of gross deception on their own readers and their own audience, also have that blood dripping from their hands. That's quite serious, isn't it? At least it seems so to me. Africa is in the news, not just because it went to Kiev and Moscow. It's on the, 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 the move in the news agenda, again, only if you're watching alternative media. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't know about the French soldiers arrested by the Chadian army this very day for illegal carrying of arms on their territory. French soldiers, the French Foreign Legion, having long ago now been kicked out of Chad, were captured in Chad, fully equipped, fully armed, indeed armored. Africans won't put up with this anymore, you see. Colonialism is dead. They wish no ill necessarily on the people of the former colonizing countries, but they don't trust them. They won't accept orders from them. They will no longer accept a neo-colonial relationship with them. And above all, they refuse to hate China and hate Russia at the behest of the very countries which raped and pillaged their land and their people, which looted them for centuries, stripped everything they could carry, and put them in the holds of their boats, including, of course, millions of African people themselves transported into bondage, into slavery. And when you think about it, it takes some brass neck to show up in Africa on behalf of, from countries that in the case were the rapists of Africa and lecture them on who they should be friends with and who they should trade with. Or in the case of the United States, as my good friend who's coming up in the second hour, Dr. Fred said at a conference I spoke at in Beijing 
Recently, the murderers of Patrice Lumumba want to lecture us about democracy. Just think about that. There's much else on the agenda tonight. And that includes the sorry state of Pakistan. I know I have to say this to some of you. You may not care a fig about Pakistan. As it happens, I do, for reasons of history and long and deep affinity. But even if you don't care anything about what's happening in Pakistan, you better be careful that what's happening in Pakistan doesn't come to visit you. Because you see, this is yet another mess that the United States has gotten us all into. Blinken's State Department, when asked this week about the complete media blackout and the prospect of a kangaroo court imposed in prison of the rightful Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan, the State Department replied, Imran Khan is a private citizen. And on the fate of private citizens, we have no stance. So that's all right then. He's only the leader of the biggest political party in Pakistan. He was only the prime minister until your government decided to overthrow him. He's only the leader of a mass protest movement of scores of millions of people. He's only the man that if there were elections would be swept to power with an overwhelming majority. But for you, he is a private citizen on whose fate you have no stance. Which will come as a surprise to Mr. Navalny, a private citizen in a jail in Russia. Will come as a surprise to Mr. Juan Guaido, a private citizen to whom you gave or tried to give billions of dollars of his country's sovereign wealth as a thief who's now a student in a Florida university. That's what I call a private citizen. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night because it is the mother of all talk shows. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Major Adil Raja is our regular correspondent on what extraordinary thing is going to happen next on the subject of Pakistan. He was safe in Blighty, though, in England, or at least he thought he was. Let's hear directly from the Major's mouth. Major Raja, thank you for joining us. You had a dramatic uh, beginning to the week. You had us all worried uh, for a minute. Tell the viewers what happened, will you? Yeah, thank you, George. Uh, well, although I would not like to directly comment upon that, but what I would like to tell you is that uh, if you remember, if all of our viewers remember, we discussed the Pakistani military establishment's scarecrow tactics. Now, that scarecrow tactics have uh, advanced into witch hunting and fishing expeditions abroad as well. What the, what the world really needs to understand over here, George, is that uh, uh, Pakistan, in Pakistan, the army, through the biggest intelligence agency, the Inter-Services Intelligence, or the ISI, is carrying out an unconstitutional political engineering process. Such a practice in Pakistan is an established fact that has uh, been repeatedly documented by not only independent observers, but also by those who belong to the ISI itself. Uh, for example, Lieutenant General Asad Rani, if you remember the guy who gave the famous interview to Madi Hassan once he was working for Al Jazeera, he himself wrote and acknowledged this entire uh, you know, uh, process uh, in his own words. You know, He wrote an article on the 23rd of May 2022. He's written various books as well. He said that the Pakistan army we may like it or lament, does have a unique status in the country's polity as an institution. It has known its limitation in politics, but every now and then we get a hunter that crosses the red line in the naive belief that the state was created by the almighty to serve as a lab and the hockey leadership had divine sanction to experiment to its heart's content one catalyst that all these scientists assigned by scientists of course mean the generals found useful was a civilian facade of a cover to cover the flanks like it is covering right now in the show of the PDM government and to do the heavy lifting in vernacular he said this exercise is called political engineering now George the stated political engineering process includes the deployment of information operations commonly called disinformation in the world uh, through yellow journalism carried out by the compromised journalists and paid media houses only few of the young journalists who were left who was still speaking up uh, against fascism in Pakistan while remaining in Pakistan were called for a so-called security workshop in Quetta, Balochistan, and they were spoken to by none other but the Director General of the Inter-Services Intelligence, Lieutenant General Nadeem Anjum himself, and they were told that you've got red lines now, which you cannot cross if you don't want to become a missing person in Pakistan like the leading journalist Imran Riaz Khan, or if you do not want to be killed like 
Arshad Sharif, our friend, the journalist who got killed in an ISI cover operation as per the claims of the ISI officials known to me in Kenya. Now, they've been told that you cannot support Imran Khan and we're going to take Imran Khan to task. Now, with the advent of social media, they've created cells uh, in-house and through outsourcing to carry out propaganda and trolling of those who dare to differ and dissent internationally or not in Pakistan. Now, mind you, George, ISI has the special wetting powers to clear the promotion of the civilian bureaucrats and the police officials. This power directly influences the careers of these officers. So ISI uses rather manipulate this power uh, to uh, for the purpose of the political engineering. And with the state apparatus at their disposal, ISI operates ruthlessly to silence freedom of speech and protest. Now, after completely muzzling down the domestic mainstream and social media through blackmailing, bribing, and brute force, the military junta of Pakistan, which works through the state operators I've explained to you, is now working to silence the dissent of, to their corrupt practices by those living abroad like me uh, and like uh, my colleagues, uh, Wajad Saeed Khan, Shaheen Sebai, uh, Hader Madi, and other people who have been supported by Amnesty International, mind you, but by manipulating the international anti-terrorism uh, 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 cooperation protocols, the state of Pakistan is uh, going on a witch hunting and a fishing campaign against prominent voices of dissent living abroad. And uh, I'm, in the, I'm a prime example of that as well. Then the, the entire practice. You, you, you are a, a, a prime example. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that the ISI and the Pakistani military behave as they do. Scorpions sting because they are scorpions. Uh, but what does surprise me is that foreign governments, knowing as they must exactly what has happened in Pakistan, are ready for a few hours at least uh, to act at their behest. And you're not the only one. As you say, there have been now several eminent people with massive followings who have been entangled by the security forces where they live in exile uh, at the behest of a military junta in Pakistan. Why? Now, again, George, this gives credibility to Imran Khan's original statement that America was involved in the regime change operation and that is sponsored by America or by the U.S., who obviously control the Western Bloc over here. And this entire process of unconstitutional political engineering and muzzling dissent definitely promotes fascism. And if the world doesn't approve of fascism, then they must not agree to the promotion of fascism by the military hunter of Pakistan, which is trying to enforce the illegal rate over a country of 250 million people who are now openly, mind you, this uh, so-called security workshop in Quetta openly told the young journalist that we are going to take Imran Khan to task and we are going to try Imran Khan, his close aides and uh, his uh, people who are supporting him in the kangaroo courts, which you've just mentioned in the military courts, and which are against the constitution. And there are voices of dissent. But what happened to the voices of dissent? They are abducted in open broad daylight. And then the senior uh, 
uh, a senior like ex-governor of Punjab, Mr. Kosa, spoke against this uh, barbarism, and they went to his house and they openly opened open fire of the automatic weapons on his house. So this is what is happening in broad daylight, and these journalists are being told that you're not supposed to uh, indicate or speak up against the uh, gross human rights violation by the state authorities in Pakistan, and you all you have to you know label it as a propaganda by Imran Khan supporters and by the overseas Pakistanis. So what do you do under these circumstances, George? You tell me then. Well, uh, let's say that uh, Imran Khan was just a private citizen, according to the U.S. State Department. And we have no stance on what happens to private citizens, even if that what happens is abduction, disappearance, torture and murder. And even if the people involved are journalists, when we keep telling everyone that journalism is not a crime, despite the fact we're holding Julian Assange in a London dungeon. What happens if it is people uh, that are private citizens, but are demanding their rights under their own constitution, demanding democracy, demanding the right to vote? Why wouldn't these Western democracies have a stance on that, Major? Well, they've openly come out and they've already said it and they've stated it publicly that uh, dealing with the military junta in Pakistan and bribing them is uh, is quite easy for them instead of dealing with a democracy like uh, democracy in India. Indian democracy is uh, uh, ongoing, is getting strong. And once you go and talk to the Indians, they will always, they're, they're buying, for example, they're buying or, or discount the oil at the discounted rate from Russia. But at the same time, they're part of the they're the so-called strategic partnership of the Americans as well. Now, that is possible because they're a democracy. But if in Pakistan, for example, once there was democracy 14 months ago, they, the CIA director, he goes in and he asked to meet Imran Khan and said, no, I'm not going to meet you. And then in the famous interview of the HBO interview, he asked that, would you allow the CIA bases to carry out drone strikes in uh, Afghanistan? So Imran Khan says, absolutely not. So why was he able to say that? Because that was the power of democracy. But they could very easily, you know, the Western alliance led by the US could very easily just bribe a couple of top generals who's already, who's, whose assets are already abroad, so they can bribe them and they can get rid of Imran Khan the, the, the way they did in the regime change operation, and they can just get whatever they want by the military as a one-window operation, in fact, George. So they don't let, they, they, anybody would like a one-window operation, but at the end of the day, it is the Pakistanis themselves who allow the, the so-called defenders of Pakistan, the top generals of Pakistan, they themselves allow this thing to happen, which has been happening for hundreds of years now in the shape of Mir Jaffers and Mir Sadiqs in the colonial era who, who, who backstabbed Tipu Sultan. The same kind of guys are still available. If these kind of guys are not available to be manipulated, if these kind of generals are not available to be manipulated by the West, they will definitely say yes to democracy. So it's a two-way street, I think, yeah. So how is Imran? Uh... We haven't uh, seen or, or heard as much from him. He's uh, presumably still at home, presumably under effectively house arrest. He'd be unwise to come outside anyway. What do they have plans for him in the next week? 
my my credible sources have told me, George, in the yesterday in a meeting between the DGISI and the Army Chief, my sources claim that uh, uh, the Army Chief have directed the DGISI to tell the politicians that they are to leave Imran Khan and the first priority is to join the Pakistan People's Party of Mr. Zardari. Second choice is to join the newly created King's Party by Mr. J Jangir Khan Tareen. And third choice is to join uh, the uh, Noon uh, uh, N League of Mr. Nawaz Sharif. And then he has also ordered uh, to uh, speed up the crackdown on Imran Khan's party. And they've, he's ordered uh, that in all circumstances, uh, under all costs, he has the ISI is supposed to control the judiciary and the bar councils of Pakistan. And at the same time, they are going for elections in October, and they're supposed to uh, give the final plans of security deployment and political engineering plan for the elections in October. So only good thing is that there are going to be elections in October, which I've been reporting constantly. Now, as far as Imran Khan is concerned, I have I've been hearing reports, and that's why I told you last week that Imran Khan got an offer from the People's Party by Mr. Zardari. Yeah, I know you call him, and we all call him Mr. 10%, but he got an offer, but Imran Khan refused that offer. Imran Khan wanted to talk to the establishment, but I, in fact, publicly uh, asked Imran Khan, and I, he is uh, he, he's, a, he's a man who is going to take the road he wants to take. Nobody can dictate terms to him, but I think that talking to politicians, no matter how rotten they are, uh, is still better than talking to the military hunter and still going into their own their, their trap. I mean, it has to go forward and, and the political stability has to come to Pakistan. And I believe Imran Khan should live to fight another day. And the only reason going forward is through a political settlement. I know it seems unfair, but that is how the politics of Pakistan work. And Imran Khan might well consider it, but so far he's uh, not very much for it. And uh, it has been openly said to this uh, young journalist convention security workshop in Quetta that they are going to try Imran Khan in the military courts. And Imran Khan has repeatedly said that he can be arrested at any time. So there are political options available to him. And if they are available to him, he must take them. This is um, this is an advice, of course. But if he considers uh, that it's not, uh, it's not the right way to move forward, but, uh, but then again, he must not talk to the establishment as well. This is what I personally think, George. Well, he might well uh, be well advised to take your advice, Major, if you ask me. Thank you very much indeed for that update on the horrific situation, I must say, in my beloved country, Pakistan. The poll is going great guns. I'm not going to tell you the result yet because I want it to be a record poll. Get voting. Who, which, rather, is the greater threat to world peace? A, China. B, the United States of America. You can vote on my Twitter, on this YouTube channel that you may well be watching this on now, on my Telegram channel, t.me forward slash George Galloway, or on the YouTube community poll. 23,000 people have already voted on the poll. Looks like a big one. Our record was 26,000, I'm told, in my ear. Let's hope we can beat it. Let's uh, go to an email uh, from my good friend Lisa, who says, Hi, George, I think RFK Jr. should ask Tulsi Gabbard to be his running mate for president. They would be amazing. Take care, Lisa. Well, if RFK got in, I'd like to think that Tulsi Gabbard 
would be a leading candidate for an important position in his administration. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, Nick Cow is in Los Angeles, but wants to talk about Pakistan. Yes, welcome to the show. What would you like to say? Uh, first of all, George, I'd like to say Happy Father's Day, George. I know you're a great father. And Thank you, most I'd kind. Like to say happy Father's Day yeah, to all the six, fathers. I got uh, six messages the, today. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the world, especially my father as well. And um, in the show about Pakistan and, um, and my concerns, and I know your heart uh, for Pakistan. And um, my, my background, George, I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to play Major League Baseball at one of the highest uh, platforms here in America. And from that platform, yeah. um, I've been able to try to discern about, uh, you know, America and some of our policies and, and, and humanity, almost like a Muhammad Ali, uh, something like that. Somebody for peace, somebody who's going to be outspoken. Uh, against our government. And uh, if you want to look on SoundCloud, I actually did a song against our government, Nico Riesgo. Um, it's civil war. And I think that we're going to be in a civil war too. Um, if we don't do something fast. I'll listen and to I, that I, after the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of radical. It's kind of radical. Um, but what I'd like to talk about Pakistan is a solution because since baseball, I've positioned myself in knowledge and kind of a quest for knowledge. I would consider myself a banking expert. At one time, I've done mortgages and lending, and I learned about the Rothschild family. I think we talked about uh, his famous quote that's never left me. If you can control the money, nothing in the world matters. And that's the situation that we're in right now. And what a great day on Father's Day to just share my insight. And I've kind of created a, a law, is what I call Nico's Law, that the world will never forget. And that is the, the law of prosperity for all equals human capital value. So when you look at the value of money and when you look at where it's nothing now, where you talked about it could be gold or it could be silver or it could be a commodity, Let's change the game, and let's put the value of money on humanity, okay? And I'd say for Pakistan, Amran Khan, let's start with a million dollars per year, per person, and that's your value for your country. And um, you can uh, obviously we can borrow against that value. I would love to buy into that and buy some bonds and things like that and help support you. And then when you think about the essentials and what's needed and how do you feed everybody, then everybody works together to try to get the essentials. And we all seen, um, you know, what's essential during the, um, the 2020, you know, virus pandemic, and we shut all the businesses down. So we know what's important. So let's just let the robots do all the work and let's just enjoy AI working for us and taking our transportation jobs and let everything go automatically where they want to go automatically. And let's just humans master yeah. the earth. I think that's we... called, uh, Nico, I think that's called uh, utopia. Uh, we might not get there. I might not get there with you. I hope one day we do. Uh, there are many issues, many sides to the AI issue. Uh, I uh, was on a broadcast last night on GB News in England, at which uh, one of the guests was talking about the endless leisure that AI is going to afford us. And he asked the question uh, rhetorically, what will people do with all that 
uh, all that leisure time. And I didn't get a chance to say, but I would have liked to have said, they'll probably be rushing around, rambling around, crawling around, looking for food, looking for essentials, looking for of life. Because if AI is, as was predicted this week, going to cost the jobs of 400 million people worldwide, I'm pretty sure that Nobody's leisure. Thanks. I'll listen to your song uh, on YouTube chat, Fran 1963 UK. So it was good to see you on the show on GB. I was wondering if we were briefed beforehand to check what you were going to say. No, not at all, Fran. I would never agree to that. And my good friend Neil Oliver would never ask me uh, to. I'll be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. We've got some great guests and calls still to come. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. I hope the news of this poll reaches Mr. Blinken in Beijing. But first, let me talk to a friend that I met in Beijing. Dr. Fred Membe gave the best speech at the conference I was at in Beijing, despite the fact that I was also one of the speakers. He brought the house down, and I fell in love with him that moment. Since when, I've been following his political fortunes, and I was greatly alarmed when I learned this week that one guest of Moats, Major Adil Raja had been huckled by the British. Dr. Fred was imminently to be huckled by the Zambian authorities. Let's hear what happened next. Dr. Fred, thank you for joining us again. Uh, I want to talk about your situation first before broadening to talk about Africa as a whole. Uh, but what did you mean when you said uh, that you had been told they were coming to arrest you. And did they? Well, they haven't come, but they can still come. Uh, what we are having in Zambia today is a Mobutu Seko type of regime. A regime that is intolerant, that, not, that not, does not want to accept that we live in a multi-party political dispensation and in a plural society politically. We have a regime that is also corrupt. And what I'm saying is backed by their own friends in Washington. Recently, the United States Department of State issued a report on human rights for 2022 on Zambia. And the revelations were frightening and worrying. They are saying there is serious corruption in government. There are serious restrictions on freedom of expression and media. There are substantial interferences with the rights of freedom of assembly and of association. They are also saying there's unlawful and arbitrary killings, extrajudicial killings, torture and cruel, inhuman and degrading treatment or punishment by the government agents. There's also... These things, 
on the law enforcement agencies go, go on. in all these abuses. And the impunity is widespread. It is a well-known fact that throughout history, those who administer the criminal justice system or control it, possess the power or hold power with the potential for abuse and tyranny. And therefore, the exercise of power must be a constant practice of self-limitation and modesty. We are not seeing it under this government. But what is frightening and worrying, although there are these reports, these reports are not being made public, they are not being talked about by their friends in Washington, the way they usually do, with the violators of so-called human rights, we wonder what is wrong or what has gone wrong. Now, these are things that would normally endear a regime to Washington. So why is the State Department highlighting or lowlighting, really, uh, these uh, crimes and misdemeanors on the part of the Zambian regime? Do they want them to try harder or bow lower? What? Comrade George, we saw it with Mobutu Seko. He committed so many human rights violations. He ran a corrupt regime, but he was there. They never took action until when he was no longer on fire. The, Zambia, the current Zambian government, it's their puppet, it's their idea. They have given them the right to establish AFRICOM, the USA military command here, which other African countries in the region, in the region and the continent as a whole are opposed to. So they are doing their bidding. They voted with them on Ukraine. They are doing everything that the Washington wants them to do. So they don't care about the human rights. And it's not strange. We have seen this behavior in many parts of the world. They don't do, they don't take any action against human rights violations of their friends, of their puppets, of their agents. So uh, one country that uh, with a human rights record that is increasingly questioned in Washington since they discovered several trillion dollars worth of gold, that has now suffered an ISIS atrocity, uh, which tends to happen to countries that are uh, unpopular in Washington. Uh, Forty people, 38 of them schoolchildren, were massacred by an ISIS affiliate. How is Uganda going to handle this? Who will come to the aid of Uganda to defeat this scourge of Islamist fundamentalism? This is a challenge that we have unleashed on the world. This terrorism has been there for some time, but the terrorism cannot be forced by flattening countries, the way they did with Afghanistan, the way they did with Iraq, the, the way they did with Libya, the way they did with Syria, it just complicates the problem, it actually encourages it. New methods need to be adopted. These are challenges. Some of them are generated by increasing poverty, especially in our poor countries. Unemployment is on the rise. 
leading to more and more divisions, ethnic divisions, religious divisions, and so on. These are problems that cannot be solved by military means alone. More is needed to deal with these complex problems. We have seen it in Afghanistan. For more than 20 years, the mightiest army in the world failed to defeat a ragtag army. They failed to defeat, the entire NATO failed to defeat a ragtag army for 20 years. There are still conflicts going on in Iraq. They are still fighting in Libya, where the mightiest army of the world took control. So what is telling us that these are problems that cannot be solved by military means or by the use of force or arms. A more intelligent approach is needed by humanity to deal with the issue of terrorism. It is an issue that well, we perhaps all so. humanity should uh, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's either or. Uh, if I were the Ugandan government, I would be sending for Wagner uh, right now. I'd be asking Russia to defend the country from uh, the scourge of ISIS, as they did help to do in Syria. And of course, I'd be following your other path also of trying to uh, reduce the virulence of this threat uh, by cutting off the endless supply, it seems, of unemployed and desperate youth into their ranks. But we'll discuss that another time. I wanted, in the time left, to ask you what's going on in Chad. I was very delighted, call me uh, a lover of France if you like, I was delighted to see uh, the Chad army arresting French soldiers illegally on their soil, uh, having crossed the Sudan border uh, on social media earlier today. What's going on there? Why doesn't France know when it's no longer wanted? It's not only the Chad. They're also no longer wanted in Mali. They are also no longer wanted the in Burkina Faso, they are not wanted in most of the French-speaking African countries. They should ask themselves why. There is a rejection to neocolonialism on the continent that is growing. France has faced this again. It can no longer relate with its former colonies in the way it has done for the last six or so decades. The exploitation of these countries, the humiliation of these countries has to come to an end. A more just, more fair, more humane relationship is needed. The old way can, no matter how much military personnel is sent there, the French army, the French military is being expelled from its former colonies now. A new relationship has to emerge. The circumstances are changing. Nothing lasts forever, especially exploitation and humiliation never last forever. Dr. Fred Mbembe in Zambia, leader of the Zambian Socialist Party. Stay safe and we'll stay watching how you're doing. Thank you for joining us.
We'll come back to him, but there's a very beautiful letter from Emborn, uh, who's donated 50 pounds to the show. Thank you, Emborn. Uh, and that was on YouTube, on the, uh, on the system there. And he says this, Listening to you today is like listening to you in the late 1990s. Great discussions and excitement. Only one thing has changed. They don't speak out against you in public nowadays. Well observed. Their guns have fallen silent, but yours are louder. Thanks, Robert. Robert, God bless you. Thank you so much for the donation and even more for the kindness of those words. It's true. Uh, that no one can be found to debate with me now on Iraq, for example. Who? Who's going to do it? Who's going to turn up to the Oxford Union and argue that the invasion and occupation of Iraq, the regime change operation that they performed in Iraq, the million Iraqis that they killed, was all a good idea? Who's going to do that? Nobody is the answer. I know that because all these debating societies keep trying. Ben Wallace, who wants to be the head of NATO, didn't even have the guts to turn up at the Oxford Union and debate against me on the issue of Ukraine. That's how big and brave a lion he is. He's a cowardly lion like the one in The Wizard of Oz. You remember him? That's Ben Wallace, ideal candidate for leader of NATO after the Norwegian tailor's dummy, Stoltenberg. Was he a tailor or was he a hairdresser? I can't remember. Mike is in South Carolina on Tucker Carlson. Let's hear what he thinks. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I do want to talk to you about Tucker Carlson. Uh quick comment about uh, RFK before we go on to that, but I will remind you that uh, uh, I successfully predicted on your show before the time about the non-existence of the uh, wave of Republicans overtaking uh, everybody in the midterm elections. Now, let's talk about RFK uh, just for a second before we move on to Tucker. Uh, RFK, uh, Rashid was right about him. Oh, okay, there's a lot of things that he's not saying that he should say. Uh, I know RFK. I have great respect for him. I've listened to him for 20 years, uh, even back in his old Air America days. Uh, you know, I understand that he's very progressive, but he's not exactly what we need right now because time is short. If you if you look at who we really need right now, we need a Cornell West, a Jill Stein, somebody like that who can really take control of this. Now, I, I hope that RFK, if he's elected, he follows through with the changing of American foreign policy. Uh, that would be great. But I don't hold out a lot of hope for it, just like I didn't when I voted for uh, Barack Obama uh, the first time. And I didn't vote for him the second time uh, because, you know, they, they have a tendency to do other than what they say. But as far as uh, let's talk about Tucker Carlson just for a second, okay? Uh, and and I think yeah. that uh, you'll yeah. find that that some of the reason the the viewers of your show is waxing and waning is because you have moved far to the right, and, and when you support people uh, like Donald Trump and and this idiot Tucker Carlson, who who may have, have a lot of views for his video, but I've seen cat videos, funny cat videos with more views than Tucker Carlson got, okay? But 
That no, you haven't. Said, you haven't actually, Mike, 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 you haven't actually. He has a quarter of a billion views on four 10 minute videos. You, ain't, you have never seen a cat video with that kind of numbers. Now go on insulting me and then stick around while I answer you. Go on. George, if you combine the cat videos that people have watched, it's far more than Tucker Carlson's four episodes. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, the number of views you get uh, in a viral video doesn't mean anything about what you're talking about. Tucker Carlson is an idiot. He's always been an idiot. He's been a Trump supporter forever. Well, okay? let, 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 let's, you, yeah, let's, uh, Mike, stop for a minute. I'm stopping. Tell me, tell me, tell me what was wrong with what he said in any of those four videos. Forget the ad hominem, insults, idiots, and all that. Just tell me, what did he say that was wrong in any of those four-minute videos, uh, four 10-minute videos? George, it doesn't matter what he said in those videos. He has a body, a lifetime of work uh, supporting uh, you know, right-wing fanatics. So it and, doesn't, and it doesn't matter what he's saying now? It doesn't George, matter that he's saying the, the thing he's most ashamed of is having supported the Iraq war and how he will forever be ashamed of it. That doesn't matter, does it? But George, but George listen to this. I mean, all the people, you, you opposed the Iraq war just like I did at the time that it happened, okay? And, and these mm -hmm. people that didn't, mm -hmm. that didn't oppose the wars, all of the wars, okay, are, are mm -hmm. unredeemable. Because, you know, because in, in the present time, uh, their mental mindset is the same. Tucker Carlson did not change his spots. I promise you he didn't. And he's not anybody that I want to see in, well, in tell our me, government. Tell me what, well, well okay, well, you're talking about a body of work. Let's deal with the body of work to which I refer, the only body of work which I have praised, namely the four videos. I ask you for the second time. What did he say that was wrong in any of those videos? Let me ask you a question, George. You know, you know, you know what Tucker Carlson got fired for Fox? Because he cost them three quarters of a billion dollars by lying about the election results uh, in the last election. Uh, uh, I, 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 I'm talking job, about George. his four videos. I'm talking about his four videos on Twitter, which have which have reached a quarter of a billion souls and you will not answer it now well, you're done insulting me and you you'll not be allowed on to insult me anymore at least for a few weeks give me a chance to smart under your insults you accused me of being far right i don't know what your definition of far right is? I presume you're not calling me a racist, as someone who's represented more people of color in the British Parliament than any other member of the House of Commons in its entire history. I presume you're not calling me on Father's Day the father of five mixed race children a racist, I presume you're not accusing me, a lifelong socialist and leader of the Workers' Party of Britain, a fascist. I presume you're not 
calling me any of the things that individually would be ascribed to someone of the far right. Yet you called me far right. You called me a supporter of Donald Trump, even though I had just finished saying that I was a supporter of Robert Kennedy Jr. But that didn't stop you accusing me of supporting Donald Trump. And thus, I conclude, smears come from you, emanate from you like a bad smell, because you are a bad person who has the goal to pray in aid, Dr. Jill Stein, my close personal friend, or Dr. Cornell West, the People's Party, now Green Party, presidential candidate, who's trying very hard to get on this show, to speak to me, that's me, of the far right, the Donald Trump supporter. So I'm done being insulted by you. I should, but can't yet, wear it as a badge. And I suppose Robert Kennedy feels the same. But there's one thing I haven't called you yet, which I'm about to, and that is a stupid man. Because if you cannot see the importance of someone obtaining a quarter of a billion views for 40 minutes worth of talk, all of which was right, then you're a fool. And you must have agreed that all of it was right, for despite three efforts, you could not say one thing that Tucker Carlson said in those videos that was wrong. So it was right, and it was 40 minutes, and it was a quarter of a billion views. And you cannot see the importance of that. Carlson denounced the war in Ukraine, the war that you and people like you say you're opposed to. Carlson's now also opposed to it. But you say he's irredeemable? What kind of politics is that? What kind of theology is that? Don't you know? that there is more rejoicing in heaven at the repentance of just one sinner than towards the 99% who hath no need of repentance? Are you stupid, man? Can't you see the value in our ideas becoming not just mainstream, but supercharged mainstream? When all those military officers were queuing for a selfie with me in the Dorchester in Park Lane, military men in their uniforms, should I have refused on the grounds that I opposed the Iraq war and they had supported it, but now realize the error of their ways? How stupid 
can you be? Don't you know that politics is about persuading people who disagree with us that we are right and that when we succeed, we should smile and thank the Lord. Not phone people up, inflating the narcissism of the small difference, and curse them, and insult them, and smear them, and lie about them, just like you did with me, Mike, in South Carolina. Jim is in Ecuador and wants to talk about the Ukraine war. How's that for a global university of the airwaves? Go ahead, Jim. Hi, George. I uh, just wanted to discuss uh, Ukraine uh, briefly. Under the UN Charter, a war of aggression is... Uh, Russia is being blamed because it's portrayed as uh, invading without provocation. And it's you know, been well discussed on your show about the NATO coup, about the threat of NATO weapons and so forth that preceded that. Uh, and that was a provo <clears throat> provocation. But what's more clear is even if someone believed that what, it was the people's revolution in 2014, uh, the fact is that a, a war of aggression is determined by who strikes first. And the official uh, OSCE, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, shows clearly that it was started in Kiev on February 16th. Um, their documents show, for example, you know uh, very well that there were people on the ground, it's an independent organization, and on February 14th, there were 41 explosions. On February 15th, there were 76. Then on February 16th, it went to 316. On February 18th, 1,413 strikes from Kiev into the Donbass. Well, uh, a light doesn't go on to, to announce that there's a war. But, uh, and then on, on the 20th, two days before uh, the, uh, four days before the 24th, there were 2,026, meaning between February 14th and the 20th, it went from 41 strikes to 2,026 strikes on the Donbass. So the whole way that this is framed by the media as an unprovoked uh, invasion is absurd because these are official OSCE that, you can do, that are published. Um, I know this, this might well, I think you put that. Uh, uh, no, it's not at all boring. No, it's not at all boring. And it's important uh, to bring facts to the table. And those are facts that cannot be contradicted. They are actually the facts of the empire. The empire's own OSCE. The Organization for Cooperation and Security in Europe. Based in Brussels. This is the empire's own stats, which show the aggression, not from Russia, but
but from the Kiev coup regime. Far from being unprovoked, as Robert Kennedy Jr. is now repeatedly saying, as Tucker Carlson is now repeatedly saying, Russia's been being provoked ever since it withdrew from East Germany and allowed the wall to tumble, ended the Cold War division of Europe on a promise that NATO would not extend, and I quote, one inch to the East. That lie is the original sin. All who are marked by it are in the wrong and who will live to regret the way that they have forced the people of Ukraine to pay the price in blood and treasure of their foolhardiness, of their error. It is a record poll in all the episodes of the mother of all talk shows. There has never been a poll which achieved 2,600, sorry, 26,178 votes. It's overwhelming blaming the USA as being the greater threat to world peace. Out Ben Wallace, the cowardly lion, gets to hear about this and see that wonderful image that my clever friends have produced. I was going to give you an update on the legend that is Norma in Bristol. But why not let her give us an update herself? She's on the line, home again. Norma, my heart gladdens to hear this news. How are you? Hello, George. Um, I thought I'd just um, say thank you to so many people like they wished me well, and they appreciated yours too. It was very nice. Um, I'm slow progress. I'm home, still very painful. But actually, my husband's immobility is causing great concern because he can hardly walk. But, George, I just wanted to tell you, it's a bit silly, really. We had a great um, care at the hospital. It was very good, and the food. Now, there was a lady called Sandra, and she used to take our food orders each morning. And her enthusiasm and her description of the menu made us feel as though we were dining at the Ritz. I mean, she was unique. <laughs> but anyway, my son took care How of beautiful. my husband. Yeah, you know, she was lovely. Yeah. But... um. I'm in bed Sandra, now. if you're watching, you have the gratitude <laughs> of the whole nation and indeed many other nations watching on in this show. God save Sandra, God save the <laughs> National Health Service and God save you, Norma, the legend in Bristol. Bang on time. I'll be back again, uh, God willing, on Wednesday at the slightly later time, remember, of 9 p.m. UK time. Uh, a million and a half people watched the mother of all talk shows over the last seven days. Let's get it back up to two million. I miss those dizzy heights. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Come back on Wednesday at 9 p.m. London time and bring another viewer with you. Good night.